that first Good Friday some 2,000 years ago, something changed. Soren Kierkegaard once said that Christ has not only spoken to us by his life, but he's also spoken for us by his death. It was prophetically speaking of his coming death to Martha, a woman named Martha in the scriptures, that Jesus said these words in John 11. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone, everyone would include you. Everyone Who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked perhaps the most important question in the history of the world. Did he not? Do you believe this? What a question. What a question to ask about something that has not even happened. And yet here we are some 2000 years later looking back on what did happen. And are we not faced with the very same question in a world that has flattened everything to be what is right in front of you? We, too, are confronted by the question that Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? What will you decide about Jesus of Nazareth? Listen, billions of people for thousands of years have hung their life on that one weekend in history. Why? Why hang all of my decision making on one weekend that happened 2000 years ago? Why? Because as Watchman Nee once said, our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. That's why we believe this theologically. Yes, we believe this factually as a historic event. Yes, but more than that, we believe this because God is still speaking, moving, acting in our lives Right now, he's moving. It's what the scriptures call the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. There's a short story in John chapter four. If you're new to Redeemer, we've been going through the gospel of John and we have found our way into chapter four. And now we're at the conclusion of it. And there's this little story in which Jesus comes And in one interaction with one father that we will certainly identify with in his desperation. In that one story, Jesus does two things. He both diagnoses the world that he was living in. And in turn, our own today. And then he moves on behalf of this father in that one Simple interaction. But first, let's look at his cultural diagnosis of the world that he found himself in, found himself in, the one that we find ourselves in. It's interesting how Jesus would respond. Look at John chapter 4, verse 46. It'll be on the screen for you. The Bible says this He, Jesus, went again 
to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. So Jesus' very first miracle was at a wedding, at a party, and they ran out of wine. Somebody say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And he, then the best part of it is that Mary, his mother, who Jamie just prayed about, was also a real one. She wasn't just some theological giant, right? She was a mom, and she liked to party. And she came to Jesus because she knew who Jesus was, and she said, Son, we're out of wine. (laughs) And what did Jesus do? He said, Woman, what does this have to do with me? And then Mary looked at the people who were the servants who were at the party and said, just do whatever he says. And you know what Jesus did? He made wine, not just any wine. He made the great wine. Right. And they were all shocked because he made the best wine when you were supposed to have the worst wine because everybody was always already, uh, as we say, tipsy. We're in that place again. And Jesus goes again to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come, that's an important phrase. When this man heard that Jesus had come, why was this important? Because he thought maybe this guy who I heard all that stuff about turning water into wine can help me. You see, this dad was at the end of his rope because if you're a parent, you know, when your kids fall ill, there's a helpless feeling that ensues because there are some things in this life for all the things. Listen to me, for all the things that you're good at, for all the plans that you make, for all the money that you make, for all the you fill in the blank, for all the things we have together. There are some things in life that remind us that we don't have it all. Together, there are some things that just sit, they sit just outside of our control, don't they? We all have those. We all have those. And so this is where this dad is. And he comes to Jesus because he heard that Jesus had come from Judea in Galilee. And here's what he did. He went to him and you can feel this with him. It says he pleaded with him to come down and heal his son. Why? Because he was about to die. We can resonate with where this dad was. He needed a resurrection moment. He needed something outside of his ability as what? A royal official. He had so many things going for him. He had so many things wrapped up. He had so many plans neatly laid. He was a man in charge And yet there came that moment where he couldn't control everything. I can't help but wonder as you sit here, if there's for all the things you have wrapped up neatly in a bow. For all the things I have wrapped up neatly in a bow that behind your Easter Sunday best. Come on. You look good today. But underneath of that, can we be honest in church today and say that every single one of us walked in here and under that, under that smile, there's pain, there's suffering. Jesus said himself, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And let's be real, the answers that the world is offering us right now, they don't answer anything. We need something else. We need something else. And so this dad is here and he is pleading with him to come down and heal his son. 
because he was about to die. We too live in an incredible time, don't we? The world 2,000 years ago was changing. Rome was literally taking over and building quite literally new roads everywhere. They were expanding to new places. And the clash between religion and scholasticism and science and history and all the things and all the modern movements of that time, all of that was true then just like it is now. Our own world. Rapidly changing technology, making it faster than ever. The world, much for good, we can be honest, much for good, but also much for evil. Time itself is getting faster and faster and faster. The world is flattening. Speed is the king. But listen, the battle between good and evil thousands of years ago in the Roman Colosseum, pitting humans against animals all the way to... Today, evil is still there. The battle for good and evil is still there. And so I would just submit to you that for all of the advances that we've made, have we really made any progress? Some. Some. But maybe not the most important of progress. If the late apologist Francis Schaeffer was correct that men and women act the way they think, then we are certainly in desperate times. We are certainly in desperate times. Desperate times for what on this Easter Sunday, though? Truth. We're in desperate times for truth. We live in a post-truth world. And when there's no standard for truth, chaos follows. Listen, we may not agree on everything today. I'm not naive enough to think that you and I would agree on everything that's happening. But I think what we can agree on is that our world is in turmoil. The world is confused about good and evil, love and hate, male and female, path to human flourishing. And on we could go about what we can agree on. Friends, I'll be honest with you. It's it's difficult to stand here and celebrate resurrection life. As we sit here on Easter 2023 and live in a nation that has fostered 129 mass shootings this calendar year already. We can't ignore what's happening, can we? We can't. We can't. Why is this happening? We can't continue to ignore what is in fact happening. It's not a political issue. You need to know that it's not a political issue. We can't rely on politicians to fix evil. Humanity is in need of our exodus moment, our rescue, our resurrection moment. We need to be rescued and we aren't going to be our own rescuer. Evil's commitment to kill God and dismiss the creator from all aspects of his own creation, history, science, philosophy, art and the public square is not creating the freedoms that we maybe thought it would. It's creating death. We need better solutions to evil's problem. By the way, this is not an advertisement for more religion. We could trace the violence and sinfulness of religion on humanity all through the ages, from the Crusades to the Catholic Church to the abuse of women in our modern independent churches. We could go to all those places. And so this is not some blanket statement that people bad, religion good. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm suggesting that all of humanity is laid bare and even at the foot of the cross. 
The Bible says we're sinners in need of a savior. And without that recognition on Good Friday. Sunday isn't coming for you. Resurrection comes through the cross. It does. We can't get to good news unless we face the bad news. But it's worth it, friends. It's worth it. Right here in John 4, Jesus is pointing out to the world that they had lost something. Look at look at what Jesus said in verse 48. He said, Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Our own generation has so little faith to believe anything that we cannot see. Show me something. We've lost our imagination for what faith can do in the world. Our Exodus moment will be realized when the wonder of Easter, the wonder of the resurrection comes alive in your heart again. That there's more to this life than what your eyes alone can tell you. We've stumbled our way, philosophically speaking, into an anthropocentric life. That's just a fancy way to say that you and I are at the center of our world. Only we matter. Our feelings are our compass. And friends, we need to be rescued from our selfishness. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus matters to you right now for that. That it wasn't just a thing that we celebrate, it's a reality that we experience. That apart from Jesus, John 15, 5, I can do nothing. Why? Why would it say I can do nothing? I'm doing a lot. In fact, too much. I'm tired. (laughs) The great reformer Martin Luther once wrote, Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf in the springtime. You got to stop doing some stuff. And walk outside and taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to move out of the center of our life and make space once again for God at the center. So it begs the question, is there any hope? (laughs) You're like, this is Easter, bro. And you're like, (laughs) we got to set it up, right? Resurrection only means something if we know what's being resurrected, right? Is there any hope? I would say a resounding, there's great hope today because the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that first Easter, confronted the false assumption that you are alone at the center. So important that what was dead is not really dead, that all we have is what we see. The resurrection of Jesus was the light of life breaking through those cracks of death in the world. You need this moment. N.T. Wright says the resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom. It is the decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom has really been launched on earth as it is in heaven. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus and that you don't miss this, that you are being invited to belong to it. Back to our story, despite his critique on the world around him, Jesus also moved on behalf of this dad and his son. 
Don't lose that in the cosmological significance of Easter, that the resurrection brings the kingdom of God on earth. We're like, wow, that's awesome. Let's go. But can I just tell you that in that moment in history, that dad did not care that Jesus was going to die and rise again, did he? He wasn't worried about that, that that was coming. What did he need? He needed somebody to make a difference in his life now. Listen, it's entirely possible for you to kind of believe that the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago and for Jesus to make no difference in your life right now. You see, because there's this collision for all of us between faith and need. And what do we do with that when we have faith, but we have a need? And so we're not sure if our faith can meet our need because because we're human. And so we come to Jesus and we we plead and maybe you've not done that. Maybe you're in need today, but you have no faith. And I would just encourage you come to Jesus and plead like this dad did. You see, when he recognized that he was not the center, that there were some things outside of his control, it drove him. Jesus is coming. Maybe you're here this Easter. Maybe you're watching online this Easter and you are at that place. You're like, I don't do church. I don't do Jesus. Maybe you come every weekend and you're like, man, I just on the inside, I don't really do this. You can be real here today. I have my past. I'm a professional Christian and I have those days. (laughs) It's what I do. And I wake up some days and I'm like, man, am I wasting my time? And the answer from the Holy Spirit is always no. There is great hope today, but it's just not found in you. And so, friends, we have great hope today, but we have to come back to the story. What is it that Jesus is doing in the world? What is it that Jesus did for this dad that mattered in that moment? Look at what happens. Verse 49, he says, sir... Sir, the official said to him, come, come down before my boy dies. And look at verse 50. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. Just a statement. Just a passing gesture from the God of heaven and earth. What's happening there? The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. There's this collision between what we bring and what he brings, isn't there? He recognizes his need and so he comes in faith to Jesus and Jesus says, but one statement and he has no evidence that this is true. Did you catch that? He says, go, your son will live. And he has he has not seen his son. In fact, we find out that he's got a little journey before he goes back to see his son. He says, go, your son will live. And what is what does he do? He walks away. He, he believed. He believed. You see, the confession of need led to faith in Jesus, which led to life. Listen, if you're not experiencing resurrection life, if you don't have joy, if you don't have peace, it's not because Jesus has moved away from you. Listen, it's the confession of need that led to faith in Jesus, which led to life. What happened here? If so little faith, why help? If this culture was doomed, why help Jesus? Why do the very sign and wonder you just bemoaned? Man, this culture, they always need a sign and wonder. And then what's he do? (laughs) He gives them a sign and a wonder. 
Why did he do that? Because in John 3.16 we learn that for God so loved the world. That he gave his only son that whoever would believe there's our word in him would not perish but have eternal life. Some of you King Jamesers, you know, the ones that have the bulletin, right? You're like, that's everlasting life. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen in church today from the bulletin holders? No, no, no. Verse 17 there, too. It says that he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, we need our rescue moment. We need our resurrection moment. I believe you're sitting here in these pews right now because you need a resurrection moment. Whether you've known Jesus for years or whether you have never bowed the knee to Jesus, we all need a resurrection moment. And it comes in that confession of need that leads to faith in Jesus, which leads to life. No doubt we walked in here with a smile on. I did. You probably did too, but underneath there's great need. We dress up on the outside despite some death on the inside. Can I ask you a question? And just invite you to be honest in your own mind. What do you need Jesus to resurrect in your life today? What do you need Jesus to resurrect? You see, the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago and that's awesome. And it's real, it's true, it's a fact, we can prove it. But what, what's it doing in your life today? You see, because Jesus said, I came to set the captive free, but so many of us aren't free. What do you need Jesus to resurrect in your life today? Do you need Him to resurrect your faith in Him? Have you been checking the church box for years and you need Him to resurrect your faith in Him? Do you need Him to resurrect your marriage? Do you need to resurrect your parenting? Do you need Him to resurrect your career, your schooling, your health, your lack of vision for the incredible life that He's given to you? Do you need Him to resurrect your sinfulness, your substance abuse, your laziness, your selfishness? We could go on, but I I would just invite you, what do you need? The resurrection of Jesus Christ to resurrect in your life today. Friends, the great hope we have today is that Jesus is in the business of bringing dead things to life. What better day than Resurrection Sunday to bring your burdens to Jesus, to bring the dead area in your life to Jesus and have him breathe new life into it. It comes down to that crisis of belief, though, doesn't it? You bring your problems to the people you think can fix them. When my car breaks, I don't take it to a chef. Love you chefs. I go to you for a different reason. No, I take my car to the mechanic, right? When my child is sick, I don't go out to eat. I go to the hospital. Listen, when your soul is burdened and weary and tired, you don't go to the world. You don't go to science. You don't go to history. You go to the one who can change your soul. You go to Jesus. You come to Jesus and live. It comes down to that crisis of belief. When you are at the end of your rope, like we sang, where do you turn? When you need resurrection in your life, where do you turn 
C.S. Lewis wrote these words in his book, God in the Dock. He said, what are we to make of Christ? There is no question of what we can make of him. It is entirely a question of what he intends to make of us. (laughs) He's already at work. He is the first mover. What do we do? You must accept or reject the story. Jesus is ready right now to make something new of your life. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him would be saved. And so we return to the question we started with. The question that Jesus asked Martha. When he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. But do you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? I want to talk to two groups of people as we wind things up. If you have never believed in Jesus, I want to invite you to trust him today. If you've never believed in Jesus, I want to invite you to trust him today. Listen to me. It's no fool's errand to believe the most believable person to ever walk this earth. It's no fool's errand. Jesus is looking for a confession from you today. A confession that centers around the resurrection of Jesus. It's why Easter matters so much. Because Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, resurrection, you will be saved. It's that simple. There's no magic prayer. There's no magic uh, steps to take. It's just simply a crisis of belief. Will you believe this? If you are a believer in Jesus, I want to invite you to also believe in Jesus today. (laughs) Have you walked away from the wonder of the resurrection? Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, I don't know where you walked in here today, but what I do know is that humans are all the same. (laughs) We're given different gifts and different looks and different resources and different things. But at its core, we are all made in the image of God and his purpose and likeness and it will come to fruition throughout the earth. The question for you today is in the resurrection of Jesus, will you believe this? And I think it would be a complete waste of our time if we were to just talk about it. You see, because that crisis comes to a point where you have to make a decision. Whether you've known him for a long time or whether you've never known him. And what better day and what better place to seek God for a resurrection in your life than at church on Easter Resurrection Sunday. And so we want to just end our Easter service a little bit differently than maybe you have in the past. I'm going to have the band come back up and they're going to play behind me and... I invited you earlier to just take that moment to linger. And I want to invite you to do the same right now. 
that as they come up and as the music begins to play, just to open your heart to the Lord. To allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You know, one of the things that we've been thinking about as a team is, you know, one of the scary parts of confessing Jesus as Lord is to feel like you're the only one doing it. And then just kind of downplay that experience today. But I just want you to know that if that's you today, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never confessed him as Lord, I want you to know that are sitting around you are a lot of people. If you're watching online, literally millions and millions of people on the earth who have made that decision, who have done that trusting, who have done that surrendering. (laughs) You're not alone by any stretch of the imagination. And so if that's you today, I just want to invite you to surrender to the Lord. To go to him. The beauty of prayer is that there's no magic way to do it. You can just talk to him. If you are a Christian, it can be very easy for us to walk away from the wonder of the resurrection, can it? So I invite you to stand with me, if you would, just everybody around the room. The Bible is very clear. Jesus says, I stand at the door. And I knock. And the question is, will we open the door for him? And he says, I would love to come in and dine with you. Come in and make a difference. What do you need Jesus to resurrect in your life today? I just want to give you the space, the two minutes while the music plays. To deal with that. To invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You see, there's more to life than what you can see on the outside. God wants to move into your heart and He wants to resurrect what is dead. So I want to give you space to do that. There's a couple of things you can do as the music plays. We would love to pray with you. We've got pastors in the back I'll be up front would love to talk with you about anything that you need to pray about don't let today go without that resurrection moment whether it's your first time trusting Jesus whether you've been doing this for a long time and you just need that resurrection moment maybe it's physical love to pray for your healing today looking at you two just knowing that God answers prayer a couple guys their mom had cancer and God's taken that away just in the last what two weeks three weeks God, guys he's still moving he's still moving he's still healing he's still correcting he's still moving through the earth his kingdom is coming and he wants to do that with you so let's just take a moment while they play at some point they're going to sing I want you to listen to those words, but don't let today pass you by without that resurrection moment.
You can also scan that QR code that's right in front of you. And at the bottom of it, you can send us an email for prayer. If you'd like to talk more about Jesus, you can send an email to there. I would love to meet with you personally and do that. Today's Easter Sunday. What do you need Jesus to resurrect in your life? Why don't you take this moment, this minute or two, and talk to him.